hear us through your AirPods or see us on your laptop, how about meeting us in real life? Because we're taking Queer Money on the road this summer and fall. Visit QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player to find out when we'll be in your neighborhood. You're listening to or watching Queer Money episode number 300. Yes, there have been 300 episodes, actually more if you count all the ones that we trashed, (laughs) of the Queer Money podcast, the only show dedicated to the financial nuances of the LGBTQ community. And today we're reflecting on past Queer Money guests and what they've taught us about financial well-being as part of our year-long financial well-being series in partnership with Capital One. So remember, we make the Queer Money Podcast for you. So please post your money questions in the Queer Money Facebook group. We've actually had some great ones recently, and we are going to be answering some of those in upcoming episodes. Now, on with the show. There's personal finance for the masses. This is not personal finance for the masses. This is Queer Money. Queer Money is made possible by Capital One. Capital One believes that financial well-being includes your mental, physical, and financial health. Check out CapitalOne.com today. Gainbridge sponsors the best, including the Indiana Pacers, Indiana Fever, Indiana 500, and the Queer Money Podcast. That's because Gainbridge believes dedication is an essential component of success in every community. Visit gainbridge.life today. Husband. Yes. We're old. (laughs) I did some research, and this wasn't exhaustive, but I did some research, and there aren't many LGBTQ's focus and specific podcasts by LGBTQ people for LGBTQ people that have have reached the 300 mark, or, or I think I saw one that had 250 something episodes. But there aren't many of us out there, so we're 300 episodes old. <laughs> right. I mean, it, it is. I mean, it's something for us to be proud of, right? That we have got, we have had 300 episodes. I think we probably have, we've had hundreds of guests and it's just really amazing that we have continued to carry on this conversation and that we're so thankful that those of you who are listening have continued to support the podcast by listening, being a part of the Queer Money Facebook group. This has been a labor of love for us. We really, truly believe this is an important topic that we talk about the financial nuances of the LGBT community, or we talk about money, and then we talk about the intersection of money and the LGBT community. Yeah. So many of you may not know this, but we started the episode in 2015 uh, when we decided to start the podcast. This was really our first step into what would talking about LGBTQ money be like? Because at that point, nobody was really doing it. So this was our first foray into doing that. Uh, And actually, um, uh, these past 300 episodes have been sort of our third iteration of the Queer Money podcast or Queer Money series. Uh, We did a couple of things on different platforms and those didn't really work out. But what was what's, what was interesting is every time we thought about, especially in those early years, every time we thought about wrapping up the series and thinking, you know, this, you know, this wasn't working out, it wasn't connecting, there wasn't value to this. Um, we just kept getting little glimpses from the universe or God or whatever you want to, you want to call it to say, you know, no guys, continue. Um, I think one of the first iterations uh, when we were going to quit, HuffPost reached out to us and said they wanted to start featuring the podcast on HuffPost Queer Voices, and we were just blown away by that. It was. <laughs> right. Super exciting, right? And then that didn't really get the traction that we were hoping for. And we were again questioning the value in doing it because we were investing a lot of money into it and not making money to cover our expenses. But then lo and behold, Mass Mutual reached out to us and they said, we want to sponsor the podcast. We're like, thank you. There's a way for us to keep food on the table. And then you know, all along, obviously, super thankful for all the support and love we've been getting from Capital One. This Really, this podcast would not be, we would not have reached the 300th episode 
Um, they probably would have died in 2020 because of all the reasons why people struggled in 2020 if it wasn't for Capital One. So right. we can't give them enough props. Uh, so that's why we continue to partner with them, especially since they support the LGBTQ community year round, right? They're, they're, they're prevalent more uh, in the community than just a pride. Right. I think that w- one of the things that's really important is there's a lot of criticism about companies doing rainbow washing, right? Especially during pride. But this is an example of how companies are starting to think about other ways of supporting the LGBT community during other times during the year. And this is something that John and I have consistently pushed back on companies with is when they reach out to us and want to do something with us in pride, we're like, remember, we're there 365 days a year, hashtag we exist 365, right? It's important to remember that. And it's nice that other companies are actually starting to see that and other companies are starting to do that. They realize that visibility and inclusion is something that should be happening all the time rather than just in June. Exactly. And then, of course, we're thankful for our recent, uh, more recent sponsor, uh, Gainbridge, um, who's trying to make sure that the LGBTQ community is familiar with annuities and how that can help our financial security. And then, of course, as David said earlier, most importantly, this none of this would happen if it weren't for our listeners, uh, readers, and the members of the Queer Money Facebook group. Because if there wasn't an audience, nobody would be sponsoring it. Um, and if there wasn't an audience, we wouldn't be helping people. But today's focus is on financial well-being, right? You've heard us talk about this earlier in the year. Um, we actually did an interview with Millie Matal. She's senior VP at Capital One on episode 276. She talked about Capital One's financial well-being study, which was sort of a post-pandemic, post-pandemic because the pandemic's not over, (laughs) um, but post-pandemic study of how people were feeling about their financial security and their their well-being. Millie Matal said, uh, this is a quote that I got from Capital One's website, not on our that interview with her, but about financial well-being, she says, financial well-being is unique to each individual because finances are very personal and everyone's circumstances are different. For some, feeling financially secure means knowing that they can handle financial emergencies. For others, it's being on track to reach their goals and having their financial freedom to make the choices that allows them to enjoy the life that they want. And that's really the whole point of this podcast, right? right? Um, And we're talking about money with a rainbow flavor, but there's really to help meet LGBTQ people where they're at with their financial story um, and try to help encourage them to get to a better place, right? We could all be doing a little bit better financially. Uh, We all want to sort of architect the life that we want to live. We want to live our best lives. And we, David and I believe a critical component of that, of doing that is having the financial security, not even the financial security, having the financial abundance to do that. Right. Well, I think that's part of the reason why we took a step back and, and said we needed to talk about the subject that we talked about in episode 297 about why there are differences for LGBT folks when it comes to dealing with money. Remember, as John just said, quoting Millie, that personal finance is personal. It's personal because it's you, right? It is how it affects you. And part of who you are is the fact that you are a queer person. There is an aspect, there is an intersection between you and money based on who you are as a queer person. And that's why it's important to remember that if you want financial well-being, you have to understand how all of you impacts your relationship with money, not just your job, not just how you spend your money, not just swiping a credit card. There's so many other aspects about who you are that makes your relationship with money personal. 
Exactly. And that's why we're also thankful for all the amazing guests that we've had on the podcast. We're going to cover uh, uh, several of the guests who've been on the show. Um, and I think some of the guests actually might surprise many of you because it still surprises me to this day that we've had some of these guests, especially people who came on our podcast as young as we were way back in the day. So why don't we dive into that, talking about all the ways that our guests have taught us about what financial well-being actually means for us and the community as a whole. One of those guests actually was Gabby Dunn, writer, actor, and host of Bad With Money podcast, and as well as um, most notably known for her writing her book, I Hate Everybody But You. (laughs) She was on episode 136 of the Queer Money podcast, and she told us about how when she was in New York one time, she just sort of did this little study where she went around with her, her microphone and camera and interviewed people and was primarily asking them two questions. The one, the first question was asking them to share their favorite sexual position. (laughs) And people were pretty liberal and comfortable with sharing what their favorite sexual position was. But then when she asked them a question about their personal financial situation, most people clammed up. So they were much more willing to share something private and intimate about what they like to do sexually, but they weren't comfortable sharing their credit score or their balance or you know a recent investment they may have made. So we thought that to, to us, that sort of underscored the need. And we've talked about this before that underscored the need for us to normalize and not only normalize, but to celebrate talking about right. money and to celebrate, especially people's successes with money, because if other people can achieve success with their money, regardless of their sexual orientation or gender identity, that means that option is available to all of us. So we need to normalize talking about it and we need to normalize celebrating it. A guest, our second guest that we want to share with you that we had on episode 73 is I think one that for many folks is the face or a one of the most prominent faces of trans folks in the United States. And that's the actress and model Dominique Jackson. Many of us know her today because of her work on Pose, but pre-Pose, post-Strut, Dominique came on the podcast and what was so amazing about the episode that we recorded with Dominique was really the discussion that we had about who she was as an individual before she became famous and the things that she went through, which I think is a great lesson for so many of us. We're so used to getting caught up in the idea of this person being famous and a celebrity and all the things that go with that. Beautiful and fabulous. Right, exactly. But she laid out to us what life was like when she came to the United States, coming from Tobago and knowing that she was escaping a place of oppression and then dealing with the fact that she was struggling financially and struggling emotionally. And sometimes her it was her self-worth that really played into this idea of not being able to be a success, but her perseverance really is what drove or is the power behind her abundance that she has today. And it's a great episode for those. I think it's a really good episode for those of us who get a little depressed or down on ourselves for where we are in life, thinking that we deserve or want so much more. That episode really is powerful in inspiring you. The next guest we want to highlight is Brian Feldudo, most notably known as the gay kid in the School of Rock <laughs> with Jack Black. Uh, he was on episode 260 of the Queer Money podcast. And what really stood out to me from that particular interview was um, his highlight of how we're all a work in progress. I think so money, uh, not unlike what David was just saying, so many of us sort of think that other people have already reached it, right? They've, they've already, they're there, right? They're, they've succeeded. So especially if they're famous and, and beautiful, right? Uh, we just think okay, they, they have everything that they want. And Brian said, um, I'm not healed. 
I don't think anyone is walking around on this planet healed. Uh, the way I look at it is that we're all people are healing, and there are people who are either afraid of working on being healed or those who are working towards being healed. And to me, I think that's just, just very poignant for us to constantly remember um, whatever state that we're in, we're all sort of working to get better. And that the same thing happens with our financial situation. Many of us think that everybody else has succeeded financially. And the probability is that not everybody is there. There's a lot more going on below the service that many of us aren't aware of. And so we're all working to get better. And we need to give ourselves, and especially others, and especially ourselves, a little bit of grace. Right. And I think it really speaks to this idea of being honest with who we are, right? honest with who we are so that we understand that we do need to heal or that we need to make progress. And it was the guest of episode 60 that really kind of pushed this to the forefront. And that was Patrick Riley, who was a field producer for Oprah Winfrey. You may remember, if you haven't listened to the episode, go back and listen to it. But Patrick shared a little bit of his story about coming out on national television even before he came out to his family or some members of his family, he came out to 20 million people at one time. And it really was this whole idea of he needed to understand what were these outdated inner recordings that were going on in his head? How did he need to get rid of those so that he could become his authentic self? We, there's a lot of talk today about being your authentic self, being the person who you truly are. But the unfortunate thing is that many of us have these, as Patrick called them, outdated inner recordings in our head. And the, it's those outdated inner recordings that can sometimes, oftentimes do, John and I struggled with this, they have a major impact on the story we have or the relationship we have with money, they can create the limiting beliefs that prevent us from feeling like we can be a success so that we can actually be sustainable. A lot of times we want to just get to the sustainable point, not the successful point. We just want to be sustainable, right? But those outdated inner recordings can be preventing us from doing that. So those first several guests sort of highlighted to us sort of the need to talk about and normalize and get more people talking about money. Um, the next several guests that we'll, we'll discuss here um, sort of helps us focus on what thinking and talking about money can actually do for us as individuals and as a community. The first of those guests was Paul Donovan, um, who we had on the podcast last year, episode 252. Yeah, Paul is the Managing Director and Chief Economist at UBS Global Wealth Management, and we had him on to talk about his book, Profit and Prejudice. And what was fabulous about his book, and then we talked about it on that particular episode, was when he talked about the credit illusion. And that is that credit lets you buy things you don't need with money you don't have. And then we believe our standard of living is higher than it actually is. Um, and what this does is sort of, even from ourselves, it sort of masks the wage gap. It makes us not cognizant of the fact that we're not getting paid commensurate to what where the GDP is or where inflation has been going. In a way, demotivates us from pushing for higher wages, right? So we know that since the 70s, real wages and inflation, GDP have bifurcated. Um, and now it makes a beautiful K on, on a nice chart. But what in real life, in everybody, in everyone's real life, that means we can afford less and less on the dollars that we earn. And a lot of us are masking that on credit. And so I thought that was a brilliant uh, concept of his uh, to talk about how credit cards are, are masking the fact that we're simply not earning enough money and we need to do more to try to get wages up. Right. Well, and I think one of the important things to remember about that point that he brings up is it's not just buying things that we don't need with money we don't have. Sometimes it is buying the things that we need with money that we don't have. And what credit can do, you know, that we love to talk about credit card debt, but what credit card debt can do is it can stretch out that time period for you to feel like you are 
living and making enough money, right? If you're only spending a couple hundred dollars a month on your credit cards extra every month, it can take years before you actually feel the burden of having 10, 15, $20,000 in credit card debt. But then all of a sudden that burden comes around and it's really, really heavy. And you realize, oh my God, I have been earning less than what I need to earn or less than I deserve for literally years. And that may prevent you from pushing for that promotion, pushing your boss to say, no, uh, sorry, but a 2% raise this year isn't just, is not going to cut it, right? (laughs) That, so let's stop using, as Paul was kind of alluding to, let's stop using these crutches that allow us to feel like we're doing fine when we're not really doing fine and actually do what's necessary to feel fine. Absolutely. Another guest that we had come on that really talked about the strength that we have when it comes from our money as individuals and as a community was Sean Howell, the founder of The Hornet on episodes 92 and on 220. And really these episodes or this one specifically 220 really talked about the value of the pink dollar and how important it is for us to remember the strength that we have as members of a community, right? When we use our money, inside of the community, when we use it for the good inside of the community, it can have a lot of strength, not only to support us as a community, but it can influence things outside the community. So for example, influencing elections or influencing the culture of what's happening inside and outside of our community. The next guests we want to feature are Jenny and Lisa Daslos. Uh, They're the creators of the documentary Out and Around. It's a great documentary if you haven't seen it. And they also talked about that particular documentary and what they learned from that experience as a TED Talk, which you can easily watch on, I think, the TED app on uh, Apple TV or on YouTube. They were on episode 272 of the Career Money Podcast, and they talked about sort of the true goal of financial well-being or even uh, financial independence, retire early, or FIRE might be known as, or, or financial security. I think a lot of us sort of get lost in what the actual goal is, right? We want to feel well. We want to achieve this security. We want to have this comfort. But what is beyond, what's the goal beyond that? And they said that the, the end goal isn't that, quote, I don't want to work anymore. The end goal is I want to work on my terms, doing something that I'm fulfilled by with the people I enjoy in a way that I enjoy. So it, really that goes back to the concept of having financial security, having financial well-being allows us to create the life that we want to live. It allows us to live our best and most authentic life. And again, go back to what we said earlier, that's really what we're trying to do with this whole podcast, allowing more LGBTQ people to live their best, most authentic life. Right. The third group of topics that we're going to cover here around financial well-being is the idea of diversifying our income streams. Now, many of you know that John and I encourage this on a regular basis, right? Whether it is actually creating a business of your own or just having some other way of bringing money in. We have seen, especially during the pandemic, the explosion of individuals doing this because they had to, but there were individuals who were doing it before the pandemic because they wanted to have that additional stream of income income coming in that actually has helped some of those individuals get through the pandemic when they didn't have income coming in from their primary job or maybe we had reduced hours. So one of the guests we wanted to hi- want to highlight is Jonathan Lovitz. Now, Jonathan Lovitz is the former uh, VP of 
the NGLCC or the National LGBTQ Chamber of Commerce. He's also a candidate right now for the Pennsylvania House of Representatives representing the inner city of Philadelphia. And he came on and we really had this great discussion around the value of LGBT individuals starting their own business. What can it do for you to start your own business? And and one of the nice things is we talked about the support that the NGLCC does provide for individuals that helps them get their business going or helps them thrive in their business. So if you are an LGBT entrepreneur or you have a business, please consider connecting with the NGLCC to see that as a way to grow your business. John and I have made some great connections through the NGLCC. Exactly. And Jonathan Lovitz was on both episodes 106, the Queer podcast, as well as 120. Episode 120 was sort of... uh, we were actually on site at one of the NGLCC conferences, and we inter- interviewed a whole host of attendees of that conference and why they actually attend that conference. So check out both those episodes. They're, they're quite good. Uh, the next person we want to feature is uh, Matt Baum. He's a writer, editor. He's prolific on YouTube. He was on episode number 120 of the Queer Money podcast. He talked about understanding or or scaling your business and having clear understanding of what your business can do for you. So, So many people, we've noticed this on several platforms and in several different communities, and this is a good thing uh, that, that our community is so altruistic. They so want to help other people so desperately that a lot of a lot of us get into starting our own full or part-time business with the goal of being able to give back and serve other people. 100% fabulous, right? But unless we have enough to give other people, we can't sustain our own lifestyle or even sustain the business. And uh, Matt said, quote, it's not just chasing the dream of doing the work. It's also performing the due diligence of making sure the work can support you. We've all heard the adage that your cup must runneth over before you can actually give back. Um, And David and I have talked about this in other podcasts, once upon a time, we would go to gala events, nonprofit fundraisers, right? Dress in fancy suits. And we would donate to those causes in a way to make ourselves feel good and, and, and like validated for actually being invited and attending those events. But we were giving in such a way that it was actually hurting us financially, right? We were giving on credit. And so now we weren't really helping the community, but it did make us feel good in the moment and it helped somebody, but then it hurt us in the end. And so Matt talks about when you want to start a business, whether it's full or part-time, do the homework to make sure that that business is going to be able to support you. And then once that business supports you, it's self-sustaining and it's taking care of you, then you have that much more that you can give to everybody else. And so that goal will get there. Next, it was Curtis Wong on episode 19. Now, I will say that John loved this particular episode because if you have seen the cover <laughs> of the episode, it's a picture of Curtis with Madonna. So again, here's the Madonna Curtis reference. also loves Madonna. <laughs> right. She and I have that in common. <laughs> right. Curtis Wong is the editor, was the editor of HuffPost Queer Voices. And one of the great things about this discussion that we had with him again was this idea of going after what you're passionate about, pursuing what you truly want, and using that as a way to create change in the world. Now, the next tranche of guests that we're going to feature here, sort of the idea here is uh, a lot of these guests taught us the value in finding courage and in stepping up and being leaders in corporate America. David and I wrote an article for Forbes several years ago about how there aren't enough LGBTQ leaders in corporate America. We need to change that. We need to have a seat at those executive tables leading the discussion of what true diversity and inclusion looks like and create uh, the economy, the, the self-sustaining businesses um, that can actually serve more and more people. I, I think I think one of the things that's important to remember, especially as we talk about a couple of these guests, that the LGBT community is not just the arts and the fashion and the mm-hmm. design 
line, there are a lot of individuals who are outside of those areas, right? And that's why we want to encourage individuals to find this courage to lead inside of corporate America as well, inside of organizations that many people don't necessarily identify as or would say is an LGBT organization because, or an LGBT themed industry, because we need to have representation across the board in all, in industries. all industries, right? Absolutely. So um, actually on episode one of the Queer Money podcast and episode number 53, we invited our once upon a time mentor, Jay Allen, onto the podcast to talk about coming out in, as an LGBTQ person in corporate America, and then also his, how he was able to become such a leader in corporate America. And Jay Allen was at one time the executive vice president of Charles Schwab, where David and I had once once worked. Um, and he was also at one time the highest ranking LGBTQ person in corporate America. So this is obviously- out, out. Out, out person in corporate America. Right. So obviously before Tim Cook. So he was, he was a very notable guest for us to have. We were pretty excited to have him on. But he talked specifically about his journey of rising through the ranks in corporate America. And he said at one point when he was younger, he had this very decisive moment that he said, he talked about the power of refusing to let anyone, including and especially anybody at work or his work, make him feel like a victim. He said, while I might have been victimized, I refuse to let myself be a victim. And he refused to let himself feel like a victim in his place of work. And that is what he said is one of the ways that he was able to climb up the ranks in corporate America. And what that has, we, we all have the power to change our circumstances. And I think a lot of people are experiencing right now, post-pandemic with the great resignation or the big quit, however you want to call it. And that they're saying, I don't necessarily need to put up with this. And there are a number of ways that we can sort of stand up for ourselves, right? We can quit, start new jobs, quit altogether, whatever it is. But we can also say, I'm going to stay where I'm at because I like this company. I like what I'm doing, but I'm going to be treated better and I'm going to be treated fairly. And you can still do that within house without having to leave. Capital One strives to inspire a better financial path for everyone, including the LGBTQ plus community through access to credit, tools to manage debt and product features. Digital products such as CreditWise and Eno are designed to take the stress out of money by helping you manage credit, a key source of potential stress, and stay on top of spending without worrying all the time. Sign up for CreditWise for free today. Heard a rumor about annuities? Cut out the noise by visiting Queer Money podcast sponsor Gainbridge at gainbridge.life to learn more. When it comes to finding the courage to be a leader, an LGBT leader, sometimes that means that we have to be the first right? It means that we actually need to have that courage to lead. And a great example of this was on episode 37, when we interviewed Emil Welbeckin. Emil was the first out gay man to be the editor of Vibe magazine, a magazine that is really steeped in the culture of the rap and R&B industry, which traditionally are known to be somewhat misogynistic and anti, very homophobic, anti-trans, right? So here is a man who realized that he needed to be his true self, right? And one of the things it was, we had a great quote from him. It says, it was one of those moments where I realized that I had to live my truth. 
I had to be authentic and I, I was definitely going to push boundaries and be out and gay and kind of just see what happens. And that's what I did. And the reality is, is that when he did that, he got support from people that he did not expect to get support from. Individuals within the industry, some of the biggest names in the industry were very supportive of the fact that here was an out gay man taking this stand to be himself in this industry. You may have to do the same in order to be able to lead in an industry that may not be known as an LGBT industry. Check out that episode. If for no other reason, he shares an anecdote about how he was having drinks with Puff Daddy and Lenny Kravitz, and they were both putting pressure on him to have them be the next one on the cover of Vibe Magazine. <laughs> the next guest we want to feature here is Todd Sears about leadership. He was on episode 108 and 168 of the Queer Money podcast. Now, Todd is trying to get more LGBTQ people into C and E suite level positions, and we're wholeheartedly on board with that if you've listened to previous episodes of the Queer Money podcast. But one of the things that Todd taught us about was something that we had, hadn't heard about. Most of us are familiar with return on equity, ROE. Well, he put a spin on that um, from research that he has done, as well as several other organizations, and what they call the return on equality, another uh, interpretation of ROE. And that is the bottom line growth that comes with treating all job candidates and all employees fairly and equally. So if you work for a corporation, especially a publicly traded corporation, if they truly believe in bottom line growth, if they truly want to increase shareholder value, they must also support equality because there is more and more evidence continues to show that there is that growth that comes from treating employees fairly and equally, giving everybody equal opportunity, because what it does is it creates diversity of thoughts and opinion. It allows for more creativity, allows for people to not have to spend a lot of their time at work suppressing who they are and wasting energy that can't otherwise be put into creativity and, and doing the job. There are many reasons why this has an effect on the return of a company and why you definitely want to encourage your leaders to make sure they're focused on ROE, return on equality, as much as equity. Right. So now what? Right. So we have, we've had these discussions about money. We're starting to talk about money. We're starting to do better with our money. We're starting to be a leader in our industry or at our corporation that we work with or being an entrepreneur. We're coming out and doing our own thing. What do we do with our money then? What do we do with our thoughts then? Well, one of the important things is to have diversification, right? We just talked about return on equality. Equality is about diversification, right? But we need to do that ourselves. And on episode 270, we had Joe De Pasquale, who is the CEO of Bitbull Capital. Bitbull is um, something quite unique. It's a hedge fund that focuses on cryptocurrency. And really kind of the idea here is that it's important for us to make sure that we have our ear to the ground. We know what else is happening when it comes to not only money, but also it just kind of the world in general. And it's important for us to be aware of how technology is changing, how money is changing. And it's important for us to, to have that kind of diversification in our own lives. Exactly. And the next guest we want to feature is Liz Schwartz. She's a trailblazing attorney on LGBTQ rights based out of Florida. She also wrote the book, Before I Do, Legal Guide to Marriage, Gay or Otherwise. And she was on episode number 29 of the Queer Money podcast. And she talked about the need for us to, once we reach that level of financial security, especially financial abundance, we need to protect our assets, not only our money and our the things that we own, but also our assets are our loved ones, right, husband? <laughs> so 
one of the things she talked about was that, you know, there's much more, and this is what her book was about. There's much more to marriage than simply saying, I do. And I love you, right? There are a lot of consequences to that, a lot of good things, but then she also highlighted that there are some negative consequences potentially to getting married. And that's why it's important for us to talk about our entire financial picture before we decide to merge together as a family. But then she elaborated on the need for us to have, uh, to do our, our trust in estate planning, to protect our assets, especially if we have unsupportive family. And she talked about the need for us to outline a do not resuscitate or a DNR order if that's our choosing, to have our trust and will and need, and that we need to have all that easily accessible. He's not going to resuscitate me. Yes, you will. She said that we need to make sure we have all of those legal documents accessible especially if we're traveling globally, because there are still parts of the world that aren't accepting of LGBTQ people. And some hospitals may deny you access to your partner or a spouse because they can't fathom the idea that two people of the same sex are are married. So you want to have that legal document to give you a, a special recourse to make sure you can access the loved one, your loved ones if you need to. Right. And one of the last points we want to make here is around, I think, an idea that a lot of LGBT folks feel strongly about. Once we do have some level of success, as John mentioned, once our cup runneth over, hard to say there, once we're in that situation where we are able to sustain ourselves, right? Now it's the opportunity to give back. And that's why we had Tim Gill who was the founder of Quark and also known as probably one of the most prolific donors to LGBT organizations, not only in the United States, but around the world. We had him on uh, episode 99. Tim has given literally hundreds of millions of dollars to various LGBT organizations. And the really what was so surprising about what Tim was talking about on that episode was not just the fact that we need to give, but giving very strategically. And one of the things that I was kind of surprised about when he talked about the methodology that he used when he would give or when he gives is about where will that money have the most impact to make a change and a change right now? And one of the things he highlighted was that sometimes giving to organizations like HRC or large big national organizations, you may not be able to have the same kind of impact as if you were to give to a local small organization that is trying to have a specific impact or make specific change. Organizations like Equality Ohio that we highlighted on episode 85. I also think about West Virginia, the state of West Virginia, how it is slowly becoming more purple and some of the work that's being done there in West Virginia for LGBT rights. You know, these are these are kinds of places where literally a small amount of money may make a huge change, whereas a small amount of money to a huge organization may not make that kind of change. So he taught us the value of thinking strategically when it comes to our giving. So there we go. We've highlighted a lot of different individuals, a lot of different episodes, and a lot of different thoughts around what it's like or what it's really why it's really important to think about financial well-being. Well-being not just for ourselves, but well-being for for our community, for our family, for everyone, right? And that's why it's important for us to talk about money, to be have money be a regular aspect of our lives, not in the greedy sense that a lot of people, I think, think about when they think about money, but in the well-being and what it can do for me. So stay tuned for our Queer Money Takeaway from this episode.
Make sure to check out more ways that Capital One can help you achieve financial well-being at CapitalOne.com. That's CapitalOne.com. Thank you for listening to another episode of Career Money. Here's your Career Money takeaway from this episode. We'll go back to the beginning of this episode and remind you that it's important that we as a queer community normalize and talk about money, including celebrating our successes with money. With that, it's highly likely that you haven't listened to all now 300 episodes of the Queer Money Podcast, and that is totally fine. But we encourage you to go back and look into more episodes because we do talk about a whole lot more than just getting out of credit card debt. And there are facets about money that we've talked about on this show that can help you as an LGBTQ person or ally thrive financially. Then join us next week for episode 301 when we talk with Broadway husbands, Brett and Stephen about why and how you should start and grow a business with your partner. We make the Queer Money podcast for you. So please post your money questions in the Queer Money Facebook group and we answer your question in an upcoming episode. Thanks again and have a great week. From Los Angeles, California to Winooski, Vermont, we're taking Queer Money on the road. Join us as we gamify personal finance with Queer Money Bingo or catch our signature Live Fabulously, Not Fabulously Broke Talk and so much more in between. Check out QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player regularly for date and location updates.